0: A little mad sometimes. Wolfman has They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you.
1: You're listening to the Jersey Ghouls. Hey, everybody! What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And, bitches,
0: there is some double-double toil and trouble up in this piece because the third crone has joined us tonight for our discussion of Sexy Vampires. Mary, welcome. Woo! Sexy Vampires. This is a discussion I am here for. Yep. I have hot takes.
2: I have so many hot takes. I'm going to cause chaos, confusion. We're going to fight it out. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, so obviously, Sexy Vampires, tonight we are talking about the Twilight series. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> I the only thing sexy about that movie is the werewolf kid I like me him. really
1: <laughs> yeah obviously per the thumbnail we're not talking about the twilight series but I will say when the twilight series came out I, I was I'm, I'm, I was here for Robert Pattinson and his sparkly dong like I would touch it I would touch it like color me you know AC Moore craft queen I would touch a glittery dong if it belonged to Robert Pattinson
2: Know it how does glitter. You would get there, and do you know how hard it is to get glitter out of your carpet? Let alone your carpet. <laughs> carpet?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we are not talking about the prickle of Twilight Peeney. We are talking about 1994's interview with a vampire and 2013's Only Lovers Left Alive which we start, I gotta be honest with you, we started out with, I pitched this as let's do a sexy vampire show, but I have so many deep, profound things to say about both of these films that sexiness is barely like just one layer of all this.
2: Before we get into this, I just need to say I am shocked and appalled that the sexy vampire discussion is not including my absolute favorite, Which, as we already discussed, are what we do in the shadows—vampires. They're sexy in a truly human way.
0: (laughs) I 100% agree with you. They are the show and movie, both. Yeah, they are—they are are the sexiest beings. I love them all so much, and I would love to cover that. We should do like a special series on the show because I just—I adore the show so hard. But yeah, no, you're right, it's fair. And there's a lot of sexy vampires out there. I mean, I would argue that of all the horror genres, this is the one with the most probable chance that I'm gonna have uh, not only my normal adrenaline rush, but also another certain feeling while I'm watching the movie. (laughs) That is sadness. (laughs) Because I'll never be eternal.
1: Because it's Tom awesome. Hiddleston will never look at me that way. No, he won't. And that makes me that sad. That and Yeah, no, that makes and, me sad.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the question with eternal life is I'm only going to accept it if I get to become instantly beautiful and cool, like vampires always are. If someone came up to me now, I'm like, well, it's basically going to be you with better skin. I'd be like, I don't want to get stuck with this
1: for eternity. <laughs> like,
2: I'm fine at all, but not hundreds and hundreds of years fine. Like, um...
1: I think I've talked about it on the show before, but there's actually a book series based on that. It's called Fat Vampire. It's very <laughs> funny.
0: <laughs> you know, guys, I think we might be onto something here. Nothing would make me more motivated to lose weight than if a vampire walked up to me and was like, I'm gonna bite you. You have three months, like to be your best self. <laughs> right. Like we should do this as an exercise program where we're like, we will make you a vampire. If you lose 25 pounds and then, then it would be like, because think about it. If you really were going to be a vampire three months, wouldn't you be like, I'm going to fucking really explode"? Oh, yeah, I'm
1: calling Sean T you know and we're like, going to do insanity. Like right here's now.
2: Here's what would happen. I'd say, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm so committed. And then like three days in that five guys burger is calling me and you know, what would go through my head. Well, I mean, Am I sure I'm going to be a vampire? Do vampires even, did he prove it to me? He just said he was a vampire. What if it was just a random bomb that bit me? And then I'm just denying myself a hamburger for no reason because my life's a lot shorter than I expected it to be. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I'm the forever optimist where I can absolutely do a hardcore three months because once I turn into a vampire, I can eat an entire bag of pizza-flavored goldfish and it will not have any effect on me whatsoever. That's lot. long-term goal for me. Depends on the
2: vampire logic. Some vampires can't eat real food, in which case my my, I'm gonna go, you know what, screw it. Am I gonna care? Humanity's just gonna be a feed bag to me anyways. I'm gonna eat all the garlic pizza I can now.
0: That's true. <laughs> Yeah, my rationale would be, like, there's plenty of, like, chubby middle-aged vampires out there. They'll be my friends. Like, obviously, like, you know, Robert Pattinson's not gonna want to hang out with me as a vampire, but, like, I feel like I'll find my tribe. You know, it won't be Kiefer and Jason Patrick, but it'll be, you know... I put in all that work and did all of that
2: the Robert Pattinson would want to hang out with me anyway what if Robert Pattinson's a dick and I'm like wow I put in all that work for you man and you're just or- a sparkly <laughs> peni in more ways
0: than one <laughs> or the thought that all that's standing between me and some sort of higher level of living is three months of hardcore working out is really a myth that I'm just going to perpetuate in my own head <laughs>
2: three three months of hardcore working out that you haven't decided to put in already when your life will be a lot shorter.
0: (laughs) It's so great, it's so perfect. Oh man, all right, well, now that we've covered that. uh, Interview with the Vampire, 1994, directed by Neil Jordan. I gotta tell you, I love this film. And I know that it's just nostalgia and I realize that it's problematic at times, but God, do I love this
1: movie. I, I need to send a shout out Personal shout out To one of my very best friends Jenny Her and I have been together since we were like four years old This is one of her favorites This is a movie we've quoted all the time This is a movie we have watched Endlessly And like I cannot watch this movie And not associate it with her So Blanket shout out To my homegirl Jenny No i know right
0: jenny's pretty cool i'm, I'm here gonna for do it. kind of an opposite um
2: and make not really a shout out so much as so one of my problems with both of these films and talking about sexy vampires is that so my sister loved brad pitt in legends of the fall and daniel day lewis in last of the so i grew up with long-haired pretty boys gracing the walls of our shared room and she was boy crazy from a very young age like worryingly so (laughs) like my parents were like oh man you can't be this into grown men with long hair um anyways because of that i have never been able to get past long hair especially long-haired brad pitt because i just it's just never been a thing for me every single why does every single vampire in these things always have to have long flowing locks like does nobody get a haircut anymore like You wouldn't like, wouldn't that get annoying? Also, your hair is gonna get matted and gross and it can't grow back, right? So I don't know. Opposite of the shout out. Sorry. (laughs) Fuck you, Julie, for ruining long-haired men. No,
0: I'm with you. Long-haired men don't do it for me in in the most (gasps) traditional way. Yeah, like for the most part as as adorable as all these actors are in this, and even Tom Cruise, who I usually cannot get over my, hate, my like burning hate fire for him enough to like enjoy what he's doing. Uh, even he in this, I'm like, okay, adorable, the stat. All I want to do is cut his hair the entire time. Like, I just want to take scissors to all of their heads. Every single one of them. Right down to Antonio Banderas. Like, I just no. want I just want to cut you know, all their maybe,
1: hair. Maybe my heart is just stuck in 1993 with all of my grunge rockers. Probably. But I love the long hair. Although I can say, I think when Marissa and I were watching this, I had said that, you know, I was never, like brad pitt fangirl like when everybody was doing the whole legends of the fall thing i was like that movie looks boring like i i was not into it at all boring. But it was boring. i've never seen it so i'm gonna say yeah go ahead Probably um but in this movie uh, there's something about his ridiculously square jaw and his long hair oh
0: fun fact about his ridiculously square jaw yeah they would take them and uh hang them upside down uh-huh like him and Tom Cruise. And when all the blood rushed out of their, rushed to their faces, they would stencil in the extreme features. So that's why their faces always looked weird and not like their own faces. I read this huge article about like, yeah, how miserable they were on set. And one of the things that made them super miserable was that every time they were about to be on camera, they would hang them upside down for a couple of minutes and then they would chisel the face after all the blood had rushed to their head.
2: See, that's honestly that was gonna be the other thing I was gonna say. They all look weird to me, and I just it doesn't like okay okay sure. Brad Pitt is not somebody that's necessarily on my short list, but he's a, he's a good looking guy. So yeah. Tom Cruise and I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one, Marissa. But they're good looking guys, and I just keep, every this is one of the movies that I'm like, how did you manage to make them look off putting? And I think maybe it's because you're you're so used to seeing their faces as they are, and they don't look normal, and they don't look normal in a way that feels, I don't know, it didn't feel natural like Every time I watch a
1: movie, it bothers Well, isn't, but doesn't that, like, in itself make perfect sense? Like, would they look like, you know, humans, but there's something just slightly off, something slightly off-putting. It's the predator and the prey thing. Like, to me, that makes, what you said is, yeah, it's that, because they are the hunters.
2: But I would, I would, and again, and to be fair, I, the other reason why I have more difficulty with movies is I did like some of the actual books. And so the portrayal in the movie is very, like, not, diff- not very different, but distinctly different in the sense of, so for me, it was always a, they're supposed to be alluring like that. Not a weirdly uncanny valley kind of reaction. Not a like, wow, I would be on, on guard around you. I'm supposed to be like, holy crap there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they're supposed to be more predator, but in a way that's, that's, baiting I guess, than yeah. just a. You
1: know, no, that makes sense. Although with Brad Pitt, I don't think I'd be on guard in this movie. I think I'd pretty much just follow him around naked and just be like, "Please." To be fair, please.
2: even weirdly off-putting, Brad Pitt. If <laughs> I seriously go after please. her, let's be honest, I'd be like, "What." <laughs>
1: What? Oh, no, this movie was so quotable. Marissa and I literally, we we watched this movie together, and we were literally just quoting this movie while watching the movie <laughs> oh, really the entire were. time. There's oh. so many
0: great, weird, off-quotes. Like, there's so many... And you said it, you were like, man, they, do, they hit their delivery of so many things so perfectly, but I think it's they hit it, like, with too much gusto, but it makes it somehow work. Like... I love so many of the lads. where it's like, don't make me do something. I cannot. Like it's just, they go from zero to 5,000 and I'm here for it. Like in a cheesy way.
1: They are. I've, I've you know, what, I've been, I've been holding it this whole time, Marissa. I mean, can we talk about the greatest quote of this whole entire movie? The greatest delivery, the greatest moment of this whole movie, Marissa? Jackie. Yes, Marissa. Yes, we can. <laughs> because, Jackie. This place yeah. is cursed. <laughs> Damned. <laughs> And yes, your master is the devil. <laughs> That's my favorite line. And yeah. I always way exaggerate it, but he does. His voice goes kind of it's a, low. It's Batman's, yeah. It he Batman's. does. I thought it was a perfect thing. That was his Batman. But of course, I always really exaggerate it. And I turn him into just, I don't even know what I turn him into. But I always, always, like, make it go, like, almost slightly, like, drag queenish.
2: ish You sound like Mr. Scocosa from the- Yeah, like-
1: no, because this place is cursed, damned. And yes, your master is the devil. I love it. It's my favorite line. It's my favorite line. It's my favorite delivery. That is your favorite. My favorite line
0: is when he finds Louie with Claudia and he picks up the mom And he's like, this calls for a dance. And he starts dancing and he's like, there's still life in the old girl yet. Like I, those (laughs) moments, like, and I read the books too. And I was, I was a hardcore Lestat lover. Like I kind of fell off the series once and no longer like focused on him. And I love that cheekiness. I I agree with you.
2: I think my issue with him and interview with with a vampire, now granted, I never, I didn't watch the sequel, The Queen of the Damned. I read the books, but I never watched the movie. So I can't speak to that. But the, my issue with, him, his portrayal of Lestat in Interview the Vampire is that it is, it is so one-note. Like, what I liked about Lestat was the fact that as you read more about him, you start to understand he's not just a dick. He is, but he's a dick because he developed into that from a history of what, that whole being of, and that's what made them more, both these movies are good to put together because they're about making vampires less monstrous and more human, um. And I liked the interview with the vampire did a good job of making them seem human while also showing you how very not human they are. But I don't know, I wish you had gotten a little more of a to not sound like a pretentious asshole, but nuanced portrayal of Lestat. That said, I've now gone back and tried to reread those books. I hate Lestat, and it's such a 1990s thing. It is. All of the Anne Rice books are so 90s.
1: <laughs> well, isn't it true? Didn't Anne Rice not like Tom Cruise's performance? Like, wasn't oh, she not happy no, with No, so as she Lestat? actually...
0: She was she was vocal when they were filming than when she watched it. She was like, all right, actually, I, I take it back. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to get into some of the deeper layers of this one, if if you will, ladies, um, because I think there are a lot of delightful little layers to both of these films that actually correlate beautifully too. The first, of course, as with so many vampire movies for me is these, you know, the queer undertones that are so overt. And I learned that the director originally filmed a sex scene between Lestat and Louis, Um, which I thought was a really fascinating choice. And I hope one day in some crazy universe, we get an extended cut. I don't think we will, but it would be interesting to see because I think Lestat and Louis are clearly lovers. If they are not in a sexual way, it's at least in an emotional way. Armand kind of becomes the interloper and the next love affair. Um, And I think that, that unfortunately, and this is true about Lestat both in the books and in the movie, he is just the most abusive in a relationship emotionally towards the people around him. And one thing that I found really fascinating because I think that so much of the play on homosexuality with vampires often tethers to the blood and the fear of the disease was that the scene where uh, Louis comes walking out of the movie theater and he finds uh, Lestat, Tequila Sunrise is playing. Tequila Sunrise comes out in movies in 1988. 1988 was basically the start of the height of the AIDS crisis in all major cities across the country. And so when you see Lestat at that point, this like this once so beautiful, once so powerful man that he loved now withering and kind of falling apart. I, I think the the theme here about the devastation of the diseases and like the devastation of the modern times to the, this group it is, is an undeniable kind of wink and nod to uh, like the homosexual crisis of AIDS in the 80s.
2: I think that in the film comes like I don't get that in the book. I'll be like I do get the the, the homosexual obviously, but like in the film, it is. I think you're right in the sense of I was going to say, interview the vampire always seems to have that sort of overtone. In the same way that only lovers left alive immediately makes me think of heroin addiction. Hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Like honestly, it's like this whole thing of you're using vampir-
0: like vampirism as a kind of metaphor for you well especially since they get like when they take the the blood they like get that high you
2: know oh it's it's a very obvious parallel in my life i I I think it's a little more nuanced in interview the vampire because it was 1994 and it was a lot harder to be as obvious with that like with those types of things with armand 100 like that's the whole purpose and reason why behind behind what he does to claudia is because he's trying to basically be he wants Louis to himself. Is I think he even says it almost basically when he has that yeah. conversation. Um, so I, I, I definitely see that, and I do think there were some parallels, like you said, in that idea of living that carefree, reckless in Louis's mind.
0: Lifestyle. Right. And the consequence of, of Lestat's aggressive and care. Now, the right, because like he's constantly pushing him for blood and he winds up being the one to get to kind of decay. Now, the other interesting article I read that kind of backed up this idea, because I went to like the source and uh, the advocate had a really interesting article where they were talking about Louis as a problematic. Louis and Lestat is deeply problematic queer-coded characters because, number one, Louis has this guilt he can't escape Mm -hmm. because he's a vampire. And so they drew the parallel there where they were like, well, is is this supposed to be the guilt of identifying as homosexual or having these feelings for Lestat? And then for Lestat's turn, they were like, kind of condemning him because they were like, the last thing we need is characters who are toxic and have these manipulative, unhealthy relationships with one another.
2: And that whole idea of your homosexual lifestyle is going to lead you to eventually right, like it's
0: it's a life of excess and danger, and yeah. right, it's going to lead you down bad paths. They 100%. said it's problematic, and I'm going to trust their opinion on that. One hundred percent. It absolutely is pro And again, well,
2: and then you bring in the Claudia thing of like now you just have them, the gay couple adopts a
0: kid that turns Adopt out- adopts like, a kid to, to save.
2: <laughs> <Like>, come on. <laughs> well, the
0: trope of adopting a kid to save a relationship just yeah. made me giggle. In any in any case, oh.
2: Um, I- there there is a lot, but I do think Louis is problematic in the sense of he immediately is like, Yes, make me a vampire. There's like, Oh God,
0: what have I done? And you're like, Well, like. <laughs> so the, the, I, I want to pose a question. Speaking of Louis saying yes, I want to pose the question of consent to both of you, because it was something that I thought I was going to be able to find some interesting articles about with this film and with this book series, because Lestat goes out of his way to be like, I'm going to give you the choice I never had, right? And Lestat very much likes to throw in Louis's face that he wanted it. I think it's like the most quintessential victim-blaming bullshit ever because he asks Louis in a moment where Louis is in no position to give actual true consent. It's like... It's like asking someone on, like, as they're about to die or they're in grave danger, to make a a serious decision that's going to impact the rest of their lives, is problematic to me.
1: I'm going to disagree. Okay. Because only because the whole first ten minutes of the movie, when Louis was human, all he talked about was seeking death. It's what he wanted. He said. That I wanted death. The guy had a gun to his chest, and do, do you lack the courage of your conviction, sir? Shoot me. Like he wanted death. And the fact that when the moment came where Lestat said, I have drained you to this this is this is the final countdown. if i if I stop and I walk away, you are gonna die, or I can turn you, make you young forever, make you hot to trot. the choice is yours. I'm giving you the choice. So he had the choice to die, which he expressed that he wanted several times in the beginning of the movie. But notice he expressed, but he could never pull the trigger, you know,
0: metaphorically speaking. He he balked every time. Like, I think that was one of Louis' weaknesses was that he was too afraid to just die.
2: But and like, also, yeah, that's, that's my other point is that, at no point, like, and again, this doesn't take away, I agree with you in the sense that he was not on the right from mind to consent. However, my argument there would be, is, is humanity ever going to be in the right from mind to consent? You can't, I can't even grasp what that would mean. If someone seriously asked me that, I'd be like, I can't even begin to imagine what that would be like to live forever, quote unquote. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think
0: the other movie does a good job playing with that theme too. Yeah.
2: Yes. And I don't think even when they originally made that choice, they really understood what they were getting into. You learn that over time. But in terms of the, my problem with Louis was always this. You hated yourself before you became a vampire. You hate yourself after you become a vampire. Life is miserable. You're going to lose everything. Why are you still here? (laughs) <laughs> Agreed. At any Agreed. point, walk out in the sunlight and it's all over, man. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Mary, you're trying to push that. But like. bring up the the rabbit hole that I fell down that I'm so excited to tether to both of these films. And that is the the point of human existence in uh, as in terms of philosophical uh greatness. So I'm going to I'm gonna start you guys off with a little quote from one Mr. Nietzsche. He basically said, Man, the bravest of animals and the one most accustomed to suffering does not repudiate suffering as such. He desires it, he seeks it out. As long as he has shown a meaning for it, it is a purpose in life, the purpose of suffering. The meaninglessness of suffering, not suffering itself, was the curse that overlay mankind, right? And that was uh, Nietzsche on what the, like the the purpose of life is. He said, it wasn't the suffering, that drives us crazy. It's when the suffering doesn't have any advanced meaning. And that's when you lose an ability to live a meaningful life. And so Lestat, if in, in that way, Lestat becomes, in my humble opinion, basically like Nietzsche's superhuman, right? It was like the Ubermensch. This idea that like an individual who truly overcomes society's norms, overcomes the suffering, becomes truly authentic and owns the horror of the world, Will reach super zen like amazingness. The movie missed the point of Lestat. That's that's
2: my thing. Is like you, you, Lestat is not happy. Like and he's not and he's not doing it from a sense of zen like lack of suffering. See what I'm saying? Like
0: I right. And I agree with you. Having read both of those books, you're right. I think they're both the I. What I would argue, if if we're going by the book, is that I think both of these characters, because of their living forever are never going to find a purpose to their suffering. There's never going to be that bigger meaning. And that's why they're going to be miserable jerks the entirety of their existence. Imag- <laughs> I'm just saying like, imagine knowing or feeling that the, the the basic, the basic thing that navigates human life is misery and suffering. And then fucking also having to face living forever.
1: That's uh, why uh, that is such a foreign <laughs> concept to me that you have to weave this misery and suffering into your existence. And I, I don't think, weave it. I think Nietzsche is just saying it's
0: part, like it's a big part of the human, the, the, the dilemma of human existence. And I would agree with that.
2: Man's search for meaning is a giant part of hum, the human, dile- it's not a dilemma though. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I guess that's for me, it's like, I mean, it's a dilemma in the sense of your specific one, but like the problem I have with Nietzsche and nihilism in general is that it's completely useless as a philosophy. Like, okay, like, you know, what are you going to do? Like it, it does, it doesn't carry it to it. Like Okay. So absurdism is an outcome of nihilism. It goes, all right, well, maybe life has no meaning and freedom is just the ability to do, it's just the search for something better or doing better. And that's at least now you're finding a meaning through improvement or some sort of way of constantly bettering yourself, whatever that may be, whatever you choose to channel it into. It's a, life has no meaning, but we might as well laugh about it and figure out ways to enjoy it nihilism itself just goes well if life has no meaning and I don't necessarily believe it has
0: meaning then wh- I, I don't there's no there's you can do with that <laughs> <Like> <laughs> no but you have I mean. to but you have to go through that in order to come out the other side like I think at some point in your life all of us have that moment of realization of just how meaningless full of suffering full of horror the world is I think without nihilism we all never come out the other end the world can be not necessarily, and I think that's the- Agreed, it's, it's, oh, I'm not saying soul. it is the soul And neither did Nietzsche, I mean, Nietzsche wasn't like, you know, it's all fucked, fuck it. And my, I mean, again, my <laughs> issue with
2: Nietzsche is that he's also very often misunderstood and reduced, like, reduced down to very simplistic, like, but it is, like, nih- nihilists in general are like, well, it doesn't have meaning, and I'm like, okay. Well, that's it. like me going. The sky is goddamn blue. Cool. Operationalize that for me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have. That's a whole separate. But I, I get what you're saying. I just don't think the nihilistic attitude inevitably leads then to either self to self destruction, but also just destructive tendencies.
0: Yeah, but wouldn't you argue that most of us have, like, at least in these films, all of these vampires struggle with that that nihilism and struggle with the idea of trying to find purpose? I mean, and what I find most beautiful about all of both of these stories is that some of the only redemptions they get in an otherwise miserable and suffering-filled world is in love and that's that's where like it's not about nihilism and it's not about trying to purport that life is miserable and sucky i'm saying that when you do have those moments where you realize that life is often full of suffering and pain and, and horror and you do feel like louis way, way, i want to die the it's the things that like human connection and like love that are going to get you through so so don't think that i'm staking my my flag in the nietzsche camp nietzsche camp here i'm just saying that like all of these vampires struggle with having to see life be so fucked for so long I agree I agree with that
2: I think the issue is that the lack of death makes life seem more meaningless because it's not a matter of enjoying the time you get it's a matter of going totally agree now, with you. I have all this time but I mean you find again it just makes that it's more enduring of a of a conflict or of a search. My issue with using Lestat as an example for Zen-like is like nihilism isn't Zen-like. See what I'm saying? Because all Lestat has done is created his he's destroyed his own life and everyone he comes in contact with. He is a he is a complete, he is a nightmare. And Rather than accept the fact that life has no meaning, so I'm going to go into my zen-like state of, it's just a, I am going to, not only am I going to accept that life has no meaning, I'm going to ruin everyone else's life to prove a petty point. That's not a happy man.
0: (laughs) But there's something, at least with the movie version of Lestat, there's something incredibly liberating about his lack of, like, remorse (laughs) for, so this, and this will (laughs) tether... If I if I just decided to do whatever
2: I wanted to in the immediate short term, yeah, it'd be fucking awesome. I'd feel pretty liberated at
0: first. But that's what I'm saying. Like for a long while, there is that that part of him that is very um, but this this ties into no Jackie, did you I don't I don't want to jump ahead to the next point without getting no there. go ahead. This ties perfectly to my big my next big point, which is that this this book serves as a condemnation of uh Kepha, one of your favorite things to talk about. Catholicism. Um, Anne Rice very famously in 2010 came out publicly and condemned Catholicism. She said she could not physically deal with the hypocrisies and the problematic nature of the church anymore. Um, but prior to that, she considered herself a very devout Catholic. And I think Catholic guilt ruminates through her novels and through this this particular story, the the movie itself as well. Particular story, I would say you have to be aware of the context
2: of she had just lost a child. Claudia is representative of the daughter she lost. Like she even admits I wrote Claudia as kind of a grief. So I think the Catholic guilt is rife in this novel and in, in the movie, I feel like Catholic guilt, you can't talk about vampires and not talk about Catholicism. Um, even when you talk about the development of the vampire as a mythos, Catholicism is at its very heart of it. Um, but I, I, I do agree. I think, I think that the, Catholic guilt is there, but I also think there's probably a lot more guilt and grief wrapped up in the loss of a child, and probably the loss of a faith, and and of her faith with that child. Yeah,
0: no, I I, th- I thought that this, and, and only because I plan to tether it to what kind of, I can only ke- uh, call very obvious Catholic uh, tetherings in uh, The Only Lovers Left Alive, but and I love the way the, the next movie plays with Catholicism in, in super fun ways, but I thought that this one definitely had, I agree with you, those sprinkles of and you i do see how that i always forget about her daughter and the, the claudia thing I've, i had come oh in it's been a minute um i feel like i want to reread these books now but i think i'm going to be disappointed <laughs>
2: <laughs> i just want to time out for a second and just say i love the fact that we teased everyone in here we're going to talk about sexy fi- vampires boom nihilism boom
0: Heavy topics, not aspires at all. Not at all sexy. Th- That—that's how I lure students into conversations. I pretend it's going to be really fab and fun, and then I do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm about it. I was. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're right. I I laughed to myself because all my notes for both of these films had nothing to do with like just lighthearted. Like I feel like we're at our best where we're just talking about TNA. But I'm so sorry that I took it in this other direction. <laughs> Jackie's dare, mad at me. <laughs> how dare you not objectify fictional
2: characters with us? How dare yeah. you? Oh, I'll objectify
0: don't you worry she will listen to the conversation <laughs> um all right yeah no i'm done all right i'm gonna get off of my i'm gonna get off of my academic couch now and come sit with jackie on the fun couch she says i suck the fun out of the room so <laughs> she, is, she is she's fun
1: police sometimes
0: <laughs> apparently tonight too i'm fun
2: police all right so real fast before we get off the topic of interview with a vampire fit who is the sexiest in the interview with the vampire for you who do you vote
1: this is this see this is really tough. I have to honestly say there are a lot of conventionally attractive people. There are. There's there's a lot of hot dudes in this movie. Um I I truly get torn between Christian Slater and Antonio Banderas.
2: Honestly, I'm going to get I would I do find Antonio Banderas to be especially 90s Antonio Banderas.
1: Yeah, with the accent and the yeah, yeah. he he get, he got me. He but, got me good
2: has my little ever since like cuffs and pump up the volume christian slater has always my guilty pleasure of 90s girl crush was christian slater so that was gonna be my answer <laughs> yeah christian slater all day for me yeah. i had an unhealthy obsession with him in the 90s i don't know why and here's the thing i look back on that and i don't get it like i'm like me neither <laughs> but but i still feel it i still remember my little 90s like heart is like oh christian slater and i'm like I have
0: three words for you. Gleaming the cube.
1: <laughs> I told Marissa earlier that they were going to take away her Latino card because she did not say that Antonio Banderas was the hot one. He doesn't do it for me. Even no. when he's super I'm hot, like you. even in like Desperado, I'm like... You're, I'm sorry. You're going to have to identify as white from now on. <laughs> How
0: dare you? I mean, my problem
2: with that is that there are a ton of like actors, like Hispanic actors that are way hotter than Antonio Banderas in my opinion and even at that time yes. like watch it I'm always a little bit like yeah like come on let let's throw some love to some other really hot Hispanic actors but um
1: no of course they got Antonio Banderas no um, that's what I said I'm like you know what it's the it's it's not even so much I mean he's very attractive in the 90s oh but was. you you got that accent you've got that burning desire like he wants to tear apart that family just to get Louis to all himself and I'm just like Okay, okay, Armand. Plus, it's the whole theater thing, and I was a theater kid, so I'm here for it. I'm do- I'm, 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 on team Antonio. <laughs> team Armand. Th- I'm sorry, I'm Armand. Kid, which is why I'm
2: like, I know just how needy Armand's gonna be. I'll pass.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> true. Bad, and you still need so much validation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is a hardcore theater kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me I'm pretty. Quick, quick. Quit. Pay attention. Pay no, attention all to me. Pay of attention. These- How good am I, right? How good am I?
2: Yeah, that lady is crying. You're like, "Oh god."
0: <laughs> yeah, no, all of them are too high maintenance for me. All three of them. Um, oh, yeah. and then even the Christian Slater's character would probably irritate me too, unfortunately. I would really of all the vampires in this film, the only two I say I would I would say I was interested in hanging out with were the dude who mimics him and walks up the wall. Because he seems like a good time, man. Like Stephen
1: Ray's character is really yeah. awesome in this he He's fucking he- evil as shit. But he is evil. Not as shit. in the way that Lestat is, like, but in Lestat, a delightful way. <laughs> like Lestat is is evil. And like Mary said, he is out to ruin lives. But there's something kind of charming about it in a way in the movie but Stephen Ray's character yeah. he is just evil because it is fucking fun and let's just 100%. ride this crazy train of evil and I'm gonna he I mean the moment he saw Louie he's like yeah I'm gonna kill some shit like he knew exactly what he, he was that doing that and I loved it
2: knew that they had quote-unquote killed Lestat
0: killed. yeah like also maybe yeah. they should do their vampire homework a little better but what They should do their vampire homework a little better because he was still alive that whole time. Just saying. Yeah, I don't know that they cared entirely. (laughs) I do agree. I'd
1: still be arrested for attempted murder. Like, it's not like I didn't actually kill him. Oh, okay. Unlock the handcuffs. And struggled through anguished pain to recover. You're like, oh, okay, that's still
2: not
0: good news. He was burned. Fair enough. Fair enough. You make a good point there.
1: There was some stuff. I don't know why, after almost 30 years of watching this movie, I don't know why there was shit that I finally picked up on on the last viewing that I had never picked up on before.
0: Because we all grows up now.
1: I guess so. I I swear. I swear. And it makes me feel like such a fucking dumbass. But, like, I never ever, ever, until Marissa and I watched this movie on Saturday, never picked up the undertone of the relationship between the slave and Louis. Never picked up on that ever. And at one point, like, you know, we're watching it and she's like, oh, you know, you don't come to the slave quarters and she's real familiar and she touches them. And I look at Marissa and I'm like, I've been watching this movie for 30 years. Are you telling me there's some shit going on between them? And We've she all was had like the same reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, "Holy shit, me too." How did I miss that? I don't think I'm dumb. I know I like I play this dumb character on this TV show, but like I don't think I'm actually an idiot. But how did I miss that? Like that was so obvious. And now I'm like paying attention like, "What the fuck else did I miss?" I'm not even remotely surprised because like age
0: 11 through age mm, 24 me was extremely naive so I'm not I am not shocked the cynical bitch you see before you today was really (laughs) something that came about in my 30s
2: well but it's also I mean when you watch it when you're younger you're not it's subtle enough you wouldn't necessarily I think that's fair I you know no
1: I can't use that excuse I watch this movie like twice a year Really? Like, <laughs> I have I had no excuse. To Since I college. like that
2: inclusion though, because it drives my point home, which has always been my issue with Louis. which is a lot of people think he's supposed to be the good guy. And I'm like, there's no good guy. Louis, Louis, actually in my, not worse, but he's as bad, if not a slightly more annoying to me because he's a bad guy that just tries to convince you he's a victim. And you're like, no, like, no, you, you chose to get involved with all of this. And yes, sure. Life was hard. There are a number of excuses why you're like this, but you, be, you have done
0: all of these things of your own volition. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you really have. Like, I, I You're right. I, I have a soft spot for Louis, though. I think he tries to be better. I empathize with all of the characters. This is only because I have to assume in much the same way that when someone dies of a drug
2: overdose, like, there's more to it than just that decision. There was a whole life of and not everything. Yes, you ultimately make your choices, but mm. I can but that's with the factor that those choices might have been made a whole lot harder by your circumstances. <laughs> now that we've ruined all the fun,
0: let's move on to The Only
2: Lovers Left Alive. I just want to real fast save my takeaway from Only Lovers Left Alive. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I like some Jim Jarmusch movies. I'll put that out there. I right do too. I'm a Jim Jarmusch gal. I'm not a Jim Jarmusch gal. I okay. like some Jim Jarmusch movies. This movie in particular, the entire time, why could I not stop going? Jim Jarmusch is the director equivalent of Holden Caulfield from Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> Don't put your phonies. Like, stop calling humanity zombies. I got no your, it's I already got your like metaphor there. Yes, we're all consumer zombies with the taint of the gene pool, and we're awful. Take your hipster ass guitar and go sit down. <laughs> I fucking love.
0: See, I was. I you're right. You're right with all of it. And if I met him in real life, I probably wouldn't like him. But I I am a fan of this. I'm a fan of the Dead Don't Die. Like I I don't know. I like I love the Dead Don't Die. I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's it's there's something about the pretentiousness of his stuff that works for me like it's like the art house film student get in me gets tickled you know what i mean like (laughs) i love it is an incredibly cool film he's he's always beautiful like to look
2: at yeah it's welsh i love that opening with the room revolving as they're both i love the way he's makes some fantastic i don't mean that to take away from his talent it's just i only the the dead don't die i liked despite the pretension and i think that's right (laughs) Is always that
0: kind of a. you have to though with him you have to like get over that to like what's being done um can we talk about Tilda Swinton and why I am so in love with her like she is just every time she's on the screen she just captivates me yeah she's probably the sexiest vampire
1: (laughs) she she really is I think she wins no I I told Marissa earlier because Marissa was on the she's like I don't know if you're gonna like this movie because Marissa knows me well enough to know what kind of movies I like. And she's like, I don't know if you're gonna like this movie. I was like, you know what? I'm excited for it. You you had me at Tilda Swinton. Like, and you had me at Tilda Swinton playing the vampire that she parodies in what we do in the shadows. So I'm like, I had never seen it. So I had been waiting for this. Uh, I have to say that the beginning, it was not looking very good because of how pretentious art housey, Stupid! <laughs> what saved this movie was the interactions of Adam and Eve. the The chemistry between Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton was so captivating that, thank God, they spent the rest of the movie together because that's what kept me engaged and that's why I like this movie. Real fat and I I agree with you one hundred
2: percent on that. And can I just say, and this is the only time you will probably ever hear me say that because. I'll admit it. It might make me a basic bitch. I am a Michael Fassbender gal. I fucking love that man. He was supposed to be in the role of Adam. Originally, he was suppo- He would not have worked with him. No, and I, no. I watched this whole movie going, knowing that in my head and going, Tom Hiddleston, I think, knocked it out of the park. And I think I don't, Michael Fassbender would not have had that chemistry with Tilda Swinton. Mm. The two of them did a fantastic job. And that is what I loved. What, aside from the coolness and the style, what made this movie for me is that it was a relationship film. It was mm-hmm. like, it was like, the vampirism, like the, the men being vampires was more of a of a contextual thing. But I agree. It made a point to me. So like, I'm trying to remember, there is an article that someone had sent me and I talked about with someone I'm like, you're like, not years ago, but you know, a couple of years ago, where they were talking about how when you are in a relationship with somebody, you don't just fall in love with one person that stays the same they're going to change, they're going to grow. You have to continually fall in love with the person they become. And I kind of like that this very subtly makes that point. The fact that they're living in a distance, she's what, like 3000 years old and he's like 500 years old. Mm-hmm. And there are different places and like how that kind of, how they're constantly together and constantly somehow apart and changing is is what made this movie, I don't know. I really liked that aspect of it. And I thought they had great chemistry when I did not expect them to, I'll be honest. I, yeah. When I heard the pairing of them, I was like,
1: <laughs> yeah this movie also the other really really good thing about this movie is this movie had like the high fidelity badass level soundtrack oh god like the music in this movie is absolutely fucking bananas and like i could listen to the soundtrack all day this was this movie mu- the music is so good the music is so fucking good
2: yeah, I mean that's he, he's so decidedly cool. Like, oh god, right? Like,
1: right, dude, just, just also a so bored Like, if he were like the college radio DJ, like I would have absolutely slept with him on the first date. Like, oh, that's same. how cool it is.
2: <laughs> See, and that's what pisses me off. It would have been the guy that I'd be like, if you could just dial back the pretension, I would rock your world. But
1: I can't look myself in the mirror because I know <laughs> no. what you're thinking. No. <laughs> like i'm Pop sure you have head. the other half of your face underneath your hair if we could just yeah we could just comb your little, hair yeah. could we comb your hair can yeah. we just I, get
0: your face when he, i was never face. cool enough for that guy to talk to me so i don't even i've never even in my head gathered whether or not i find those types of people attractive because i'm just that is like a different like arena of, of type of guy that i never even tried for um i'm self-aware y'all all right
2: but here's <laughs>
0: His was all assuming I would be. I just never
1: <laughs> up the oh, see, I was the one with a pair of balls that would just walk up to a dude like that. Like, hey, yeah. what's up? Got yeah. a
2: cigarette? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I wish I was that, but I was you the one. First- talk
1: about Charlie Parker or something? Like, that's a cool vinyl you got. Like, yeah. Now, on the one that's ballsy, it would just, just walk up to a dude and start talking to him.
2: Which I did, and everyone always thought I would, but I was like, no, because what if they say yes? <laughs> <laughs> then I have to let you in my life, and you have to know
0: things. I haven't factored in all of the variables here. Yeah, Mary, you are deceptively unsmooth in that arena. Like, where, whereas, like, when I first met you, I was like, damn, that girl's got to be, like, a clutch wingman, and it turns out you suck. <laughs> <laughs> when you get behind the, like, oh, here's the, I am a clutch wingman. Yeah. Um, no, I, you're right. I should. I should say you're. You're terrible. I. You're. You're. I'm not, I am not a maverick. I am a goose. You're not the pilot. You are. You're not a maverick.
2: I want to be a maverick so bad, but I'm just goose. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Getting ready to hit the eject button at any moment. <laughs> So I have to, I have to admit, I agree with both of you. I think the, the the relationship between the two of them is the beautiful, beautiful thing that binds everything together. And when we talk about this idea of suffering, because she goes to him because he's like kind of suicidal, right? Mm-hmm. And and it is their love, and it is the 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 comfort that they bring each other, and that that gets them. So I this struck such a co- a, a chord with me this film because living and being in love with a person who lives in existential crisis all the time. Someone who looks at the world and sees how terrible it is and gets physically and psychologically affected by that. I, I, I related so hard to what that's like and it was so personally like triggering for me. And I read this article that almost bordered on criticizing them and was like, it's weird. They, they don't live together. And then they like, they're like too comfortable. All the sex scenes are off, off scene. They almost act like brother, sister. Sometimes I couldn't disagree, disagree more with that. Mm-hmm. I think that when the longer you're with someone, The more comfortable you get, the more the love and the the, the sexuality of it evolves. And it's not always, it isn't always gonna look like a hot, steamy relationship. I'm sure there are moments where Matt and I interacting looks more like a brother-sister goofing around. And I don't mean that in like a gross way. I mean that in like a, I am so comfortable. This is my soulmate. This is the person I've spent the past 20 something years with. I can be every version of myself with him. But I also understand that his his soul and his, the beauty that he sees in the world is what carries me through and vice versa. So the love story in this film to me was just one of the most profoundly beautiful things I've seen in a fucking minute.
2: No, I, I and I think there's there's definitely a point where you're like, and I, I always feel like when I hear that, I'm like, you know, there's a difference between sex and intimacy, right? right yeah, exactly. but like That's real intimacy know each yeah. other at all like yeah. i was like and you can have profoundly intimate moments that aren't necessarily steamy like you am saying and a relationship should probably have both like depends on what you're into i guess it's also like i always feel like the a lot of people i think want sex to be i don't want to say a performance but i think it is some people yeah. get off on that which is fine but like at the same time i'm like really being intimate is when you can have sex and laugh about something that happens. Cause sex can be weird <laughs> and c- weird things happen. It's human body. Bi- like, you know, I like, I don't know. It's just that thing of like being able to laugh about it and still be sexually attracted and not just have to have this. I have to be in the mindset of sex and feeling sexy. You can be sexy in a lot of different ways. You can feel, I don't know. That's, that's the whole lot of thought. But. When
1: you have sex with somebody and you wake up the next morning and you're not worried about, the fact that like you have no makeup on that your breath smells like ass that you're, you know, like you don't care how you wake up the next morning and neither does the other person. That's, that's, that's intimacy. That's wonderful. That's, that's true love. I agree. <laughs> <There's> vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first
0: time you both have a stomach virus and you live in a one bedroom apartment is true intimacy. Like those kinds of things, you know, where like, it's like, you you get past those moments. I mean, Jesus, I, the man has watched me give birth to our children. Like, <laughs> I don't, I still don't understand how he finds me even remotely attractive after that. Like, I feel like he was, tra- he must've had trauma from because <laughs> I didn't see that end of things and I was traumatized. <laughs>
2: If you want to talk about it on a chemical level, like not, not to be mean, just remove. <laughs> like you want to talk about it on a chemical level, it's because there's two different aspects of it. Like there's a chemical and a hormone that gets released with that initial bubble of a relationship. And I think every relationship, when you get into it, has that bubble where everything is perfect. And like, you don't want the rest oh, of the world yeah. in, and you're just so like, and that's that bubble. That initial like sex is like uh, you're constantly like want to have sex, all that stuff. Everything is perfect, and then the bubble bursts. <laughs> like, hopefully in a gentle way. Sometimes not. But like, and you fall into that longer term, where it's 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 a different chemical. It's a different bonding reaction that you have that allows you to still see somebody that you've been with for 20 years the way you did 20 years ago. Like you don't look at them and even though you know they've changed, they're still the person you remember. Like you know what I'm saying? It's that thing of- I high. agree.
0: No, I, I, the, one of the most profound quotes I've ever heard about love was in the movie, the kids are all right, which I know isn't a movie anybody would like write home about, but it's it was okay for what it was. And they said that, you know, what most people don't realize is that relationships are a marathon and you're going to hit those walls and what happens when you hit those walls is is what what determines whether or not the relationship continues but no marriage is a walk in the park it's going to always be the brutal marathon and and i it's a profound to me a profound statement because it's true there's so many different levels and layers oh god oh love. look at us talking about waxing on about love oh my <laughs> lord let's move on to something like blood and gutsy can we talk about um let's can we get literary my literary geek
1: self oh my god i was cry. so every name they were Hello. dropping i was picking it up and i was just like oh i like this one and i so like Jar- Jarm- and byron and Jar
0: Jarmusch is famously and like anti-stress 40 and he like does not believe that shakespeare existed but, and usually I get really annoyed, but he, John Hurt was so fucking adorable that I was like, I, okay, Christopher Marlowe it is. <laughs> yeah. and, and I get the whole Christopher
2: Marlowe theory. I don't know that, I, I don't understand why it's so easy to believe Christopher Marlowe wrote them all than it is to believe that another man wrote them all. Like at that point I'm like, I can more sooner believe
0: that maybe William Shakespeare had a lot of ghostwriters. <laughs> well, Christopher Marlowe had the education. That's the big argument usually.
2: I mean, sure, but I, I, I don't, I I don't necessarily, I, I don't know. And I don't know that I have a dog, but you're right in the sense that he would have annoyed me except that it's John Hurt. <laughs> it's I, so cute. Right. Yeah. He
0: was, <laughs> and, and just like the right, like, I just love the, this is the sappy doe-eyed in me too. Like the theme that like, if you find that passion that drives you through, that's all you need for a meaningful life. Like years after Shakespeare still got credit for everything. He's still trying to write. He's teaching the other guy how to write. Like, I just, Oh God, I I loved him in this so much and then did you see their their passports were daisy buchanan and Stephen, for portrait of an artist as a young man also when she packed the suitcase with the books oh my oh, god girl. I, I was like, like i wish <laughs> i loved that it was like don quixote next to infinite jest which infinite jest in this film paired together like wow, chef's kiss beautiful um and 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 i it's funny because i always hate i i have a love-hate relationship with wallace but you can't deny the beauty of some of his work. A lot of people have a love. <laughs> I mean, is understandably so. He's problematic a- at best, but but I also, you know, and and like yeah, I I love this this deal this idea of like these two. So first of all, I love the backdrop of Tangier and Detroit as a choice because it's like Detroit during its worst late nineties, falling apart before anybody gave a shit that it was falling apart moments, and then. Tangier which I only imagine I had to like I don't know enough about but I imagined that it is struggling with some issues as well um and then the music as another thing that can get us through oh shit all right my last um big thing is the fact that they're named Adam and Eve I I obviously I I thought this was a reference to Original Sin and the question that I have though is like is is what is the movie trying to say that humans are always going to be the forbidden fruit? Or are they trying to say that, like, we can't help but recruit? Like, because at the end, they they drink the blood to survive, but then they're creating two new vampires, right?
1: So that wasn't supposed to be biblical. It wasn't? No. I had read that um, that kind of just was happenstance. That really was not intended to be Adam and Eve you know bible warriors
2: i didn't think it was necessarily supposed to be a biblical like they i don't think they were adam and eve but i thought that the choice of adam and eve as naming them yeah you can't is is a meaningful choice in the sense of you're trying to i i assume like i just i feel like the adam and eve is not something that somebody would have brought like see what i'm saying like i I don't know that just seems like a weird thing if i were to think of a girl named eve and then be like, what should I name the guy? I'm not gonna go Adam, but not for biblical reasons. I'm gonna go, mm, if I want to avoid the biblical reference, I should name him something different. Like, But now again, it's I'm not Ginger.
1: Based on Mark Twain's The Diaries of Adams and Eve. So it was more Mark Twain reference Than a biblical reference
0: Yeah that's And that's what uh Hipster Magoo Claimed in interviews He was like I don't understand Why people are reading Biblical references Into this Because yeah, you named Your not. characters Adam and Eve Adam and dipshit Eve. Yeah. Like that's where That's why I say I wouldn't like him In real life If we met Because <laughs> I'd be like Then don't name Your fucking main characters Adam and Eve And have them be Very much in this Eden of their own And have them like The forbidden for Being the live human Like don't Shut up Jib Jermush I, just,
2: I just, to look this up to confirm Mark Twain's The Diary of Adam and Eve are about actual, actual Adam, Adam and Eve Goddamn. in Garden of Eden. Like it is a biblical story. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the fact that he said that, like, oh, it did I didn't it didn't even dawn on me until we were filming it. And at that point, what are you gonna do?
0: I wish you hadn't told me that because now I just <laughs> Right now that makes you want to punch me in the face Yeah Yeah. Like Too bad And I'm going to enjoy my The hours of untethering What it could have possibly Biblically be referencing Yeah And and you could suck it Jim Jarmusch Here's the thing it is. If you're trying to make a reference to the
2: diaries of that, you either have never read it, in which case, why are you referencing poser poser hipster? Or you have read it. And you know it's about it's literally diary entries of a man and a woman in the Garden of Eden. It is Adam and Eve. So you are making a biblical reference. I don't get to go, oh no, 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 no. I'm not referencing the devil. I'm talking about Lucifer from you know the uh,
0: Paradise Lost. You're like, that is the devil. <laughs> Sorry, I betcha he didn't even read all of Infinite Jest. I betcha he got halfway and got bored like I did.
2: <laughs> I guarantee you he never read Don Quixote. No, so who the, has though? <laughs> but I I liked the fact that the reason those two are paired together is because I and again I might be reading too much into it. I felt like Eve was a little bit of Don Quixote and
0: he was a little bit of Infinite Jest. I totally agree. Yes, I totally yeah. agree with you. I think I think she had a certain. Well, it was funny cuz I loved the scene. It's such a little scene, but when they drive by Jack Black's house and she's like, "Oh my god, I love him." I feel like she has moments of such humanity whereas he's always like Mr. Cool like, you know. Like when her sister comes, like she she just has these little blurbs of like really excited happy, which I feel like are her humanity still shining through and I The other beautiful theme in this movie is just the theme of the energy crisis. Cause like this idea of like, like when they are completely depleting, because Detroit is such a perfect example of just how fucked up our country is, how much we're depleting our own resources. And then you juxtapose that with them having the the tainted blood and the idea that like they're running out of their energy and their source of life too. and 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 how we can't even get clean water still in fucking Detroit. And it's like, it's just, it was a beautifully done metaphor. And I don't think he, I'd hope he wouldn't deny that metaphor too, the jackass, but he like, I just thought it was so poignant and so powerful. And the, no, oh, Marlo's death scene. I was like cheering up with them. I was, I was having all the feels, bro. And then at the end when I thought, oh, dude, I thought they were going to die. I was losing my shit a little bit. I'm not going to lie. You guys, I was like, yeah, liking. I was,
1: I was kind of nervous for the tragic ending. And I'm like, no, no, the whole thing is about their love enduring. Like I love, and that moment yeah. when she looks at the pic- their wedding picture and she was like, Oh, our third marriage, like <laughs> yeah. they just go through like a century and then get married and then go through another century and get remarried. Like these bitches renew their vows. Like nobody's business.
0: And, like, I love when the sister comes and fucks shit up and they, he never holds it against her overtly. Like, I don't know. It's just, they're beautiful together. I mean, I I, I liked, I have, like, as characters,
2: of obviously, and I think that they have their flaws, they balance each other well. And I think that was the, the I, I agree with you in the sense that it's a, they had a fundamentally, I don't. I guess beautiful relationship is the, is a good way to put it. I always feel like beautiful is like, there were, the relationship that I also felt were probably not Is it was painted beautifully, but you're like, mm, that might also not be a like, actual in actuality a beautiful thing. But um, it's not, well, again, I have, I have issues with um, Adam more so than Eve. Um, but again, he's also, I don't blame them for the desperateness of their circumstances. I, sorry, I know exactly what you guys were talking about, about, you know, the tragic ending and being, I will say I the whole time in classic twisted me fashion just kept thinking you said they were left alive Jim Jarmusch don't fucking lie to me <laughs> and he is very literal with his title so. <laughs> and that's why I was like you said the dead don't die spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> like it's in my head I was going come on man you said they were left alive they better be yeah alive. and then I saw the kissing couple and I was like don't
1: you fucking pull this little joke on me. <laughs> it wasn't those lovers. <laughs> I, I, I had a funny thought. So when, when Ava comes, when the sister comes and she's an obnoxious little sister, yep. my very first thought was we, uh, Marissa and her husband and, and I have this running joke that I'm like, Matt, you need to marry me so marissa and i can be sister wives yeah and he constantly turns me down he has no interest which i don't understand but like i literally had the thought like when she knocks on the bedroom door and they're sleeping and she's like are you awake okay i'm coming in and like gets in bed with them i'm like see if matt did marry me and we got to be sister wives that would be me i'd be like guys i'm coming in move over turning the lights on and marissa's all accepting and snuggling and matt just has his head under the pillow like get the fuck out of my room. And I'd be like, why what, sleepyhead? What's wrong with your face? That's um, actual foot. upstairs and you guys would already be in the
2: bed and you'd be like, you can just sleep in my room. <laughs> <laughs> you can have the bed in my
0: room. It's true. So- we would definitely wind up in the bed together. I don't know on that, that was my that was my instant Watching thought i'm like that's out. what it would be like it's true <laughs> no it's so true and you know what it's 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 a hundred percent true because i would be like <laughs> yeah you know, like,
1: here's jackie who can't hold her liquor you know yeah, sitting there on the couch so. like give me more i want more of this delicious <laughs> y'all don't know me yeah no i would I, I i saw a little bit of of myself in, in her <laughs> i saw a little bit of myself as a little although i tell you it also makes me happy that i'm the youngest i think we're all the youngest here right yeah yeah Yeah. no god forbid if i had a little sister it'd be done i wouldn't have a little sister because i'd probably put her in a garbage can
2: yeah especially one like me man (laughs) i was i was a little know-it-all you think i'm bad I've toned it down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was, I still am such a shit to my brother. It's almost unbelievable at times. And my favorite part was, I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have just bursted into a room or like into one of his relationships and, and caused havoc and done something shitty and then been like, fuck you you and walked away that like when i think about it i'm a i'm almost a little ashamed almost not quite almost. there but almost because i am definitely when it comes to being a little sister i am the snottiest of snotty and you're
1: welcome joe yeah there you go meh <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do about it huh? what are you gonna do what are you gonna do well
0: do? Hold on gonna nothing because i'll punch you in the gut and then cry to mom <laughs> just like i always did <laughs> tell mom that you hit me
1: (laughs) and that that works I swear he hit me every time I never made it up (laughs) no that works unless your brother is six years older than you and has a significantly larger hand and also your parents oh my god I
0: love your fake
1: slap story (laughs) I did I I slapped myself across the face tried to blame it on Brian though that's committed I I did and and my brother was getting in trouble when my parents realized how tiny the handprint on my cheek was (laughs) <laughs> so yeah there's that think, yeah. think think things through guys that's all I'm no, gonna say is that... think think things through
2: all right in the honor of five... go, ahead. go ahead I'm sorry because being the youngest of five kids my parents nipped all that in the bud by doing one thing it is not us two with you against your brothers and sisters it is the five of you against the two of us so at any point if you try to throw your brother under the bus everyone's getting in trouble <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's smart we
2: had the cone of silence and that was like this doesn't leave this room we don't tattletale because we're all going to get in trouble you
1: know yeah and that's the benefit of several like of multiple siblings yeah. marissa and i it's just it's us and an older brother okay. so the, the the benefit of a tribe is something that we are not privy to. Mm-hmm. We, are, we
2: are clannish. We yeah. literally destroy each other. And then the moment like somebody outside the clan is like, do you think that maybe you're like, what did you say about my brother?
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's that you do want to fight? Cause I'm ready. I'm ready. My dukes are up.
2: I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> and then I'll turn around and beat my brother up. Be like, but you
0: don't get to beat him up. I get to beat him up. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, I think in the honor of our sexy vampire episode, We're going to play a quick little game of F. Mary Kill. F. Mary Kill, interview with the vampire, ladies. Lestat, Louis, and Armand.
1: Oh, that's easy. Kill Lestat, (gasps) fuck Louis, marry Armand. No, you're crazy. crazy.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right.
2: Uh, Fuck Lestat. Oh, God, yeah, he'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely insane, but he'd be a lot of fun. (laughs)
0: I'm effing list. Kill
2: Louis because I'm kind, and quite frankly, I just don't want to hear him whine about it anymore. <laughs> Mary Armand, <laughs> really? You're both Team Mary Armand. No, I'm. Effingless. I just can't imagine marrying the other two, so I'm left with no other option.
0: Yeah. Am I a vampire? Yes. Right I'm in assuming, this scenario, I'm assuming by the time I'm done with those three, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to hot take here. I'm going to f Louis. Kill Armand, Mary Lestat. I th- movie <laughs> Lestat because <laughs> I why think we would just Mary Lestat. <laughs> because if I'm gonna be a vampire, right? I'm playing a long game here, Mary. I'm playing a long <laughs> game. He's gonna grow tired of me and like go wine off in his emo world. at some point, I think we're gonna have a good time. I think Louis is gonna annoy the shit out of me.
1: Yeah, well, that's the- why you fucking run. <laughs>
0: that's what you, that's what you killed him. But our is terrible.
1: No, but he'll talk to me in a sexy terrible. accent.
2: All terrible. Yeah,
1: they are all terrible.
2: I will say this: like, Lestat's not gonna forget about you. You want to know how you know that? How the fuck does Lestat pop up at the back of Christian Slater's car at the end? Wasn't that because he
0: was probably following Louis around like a creeper? Right, because he's that toxic ex-lover. Right, that yeah. like you're like, all right, I feel bad for you. You're gross now. <laughs> It's just
2: going to be like, no, 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 no. What you do is you fuck Lestat. Okay. You kill Louis. Then you marry Armand and you pit Lestat and Armand against each other and they kill each other. And then, and then you're, you're free. <laughs> you. yeah. Then you're <laughs> sexier and hotter.
0: <laughs> That's a good plan. All right. F, Mary, kill, the uh, only lovers left alive edition, celebrity edition. So we're not talking about the character here. We're talking about the celebrity themselves. Anton Yelkin, Tom Hiddleston, Tilda Swinton.
1: Oh, my God. I can't. Through. Oh, no, that's easy again. That's easy again. I'm going to marry Tom Hiddleston, fuck Tilda Swinton, and kill Anton. Kill. Oh, too, too soon.
0: soon. I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. Too soon, Jackie. Too soon. No. All right. All right. Here's mine. Ready? Oh my I'm, gonna... I'm going to forever think of as Chekhov,
2: but I can't kill Chekhov.
0: Oh I'm going to kill Anton, too, unfortunately. But I'm marrying Tilda effing Tom Hiddleston.
2: This is a really this is a really tough question for me. Not because I'm a Tom Hiddleston fan, but I do like Loki as yeah, a concept too. and a god. And so to, 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 even in this un- incarnation, I don't want to tell. I know, it's hard. But I'm not going to kill Tilda Swinton. No. So, mm-hmm. But I'm not doing that. I'm probably marrying Tilda Swinton. Me obviously. too. I'm going to, yeah. like, we would have fun. I just feel like he would get boring after a while, Tilda Swinton. I feel like her and I can give each other space. Right. (laughs) Like her character and I would get along so well,
0: you know, like, and every character she plays, I'm like, I want to be friends with her. And even
2: if, yeah, I just, I just kind of want to bathe in the glory that is Tilda
0: Swinton. (laughs) Can you (laughs) imagine though, like having a walk next to her to a party? Like while she's reading, like, uh... you're so cool <laughs> i would literally feel like a troll if i had to walk into a room next to him. Yeah, like just, just
1: hunched just... over like
2: oh, i'm not gonna lie i would also feel like a troll if i had to walk in a room with tom hiddleston <laughs> <laughs> see less Lester... so with tom a... yeah no i was gonna say it not as much with him man. <laughs> i don't even mean that in a way that's supposed to be denigrating he's just a very like again any of those guys brad pitt i'd be like cool it's brad pitt it's troll brad
0: Coming in the room like Igor. People would be like, did Brad Pitt adopt a homeless woman tonight? How sweet. Like I know people are like,
2: she's going to have a fantastic personality. And then they're going to meet me and be like, no,
1: that's nope, not, not no, it. No, not that. <laughs> They'd be like, is this yeah. a make a wish situation? <laughs> Blink if you're in danger, Brad Pitt. <laughs>
2: <Uh-oh>. <laughs> you think she's a very nice hat. <laughs> Are you hit the
0: No, Brad's on drugs again.
2: Mary tell them Tilda Swinton. I guess fuck Tom Hiddleston kill Antonia Only because the one thing I can't picture doing more to check off than kill him is fuck him. So I know. I and it's weird because
0: he's a good look, he's he was a good looking kid. Yeah. He just A, he's a little young for me. B, like he's what was he in his early he's 20s? Like that's kill but not, he's old enough to kill, but not to... <laughs> I Standards, Mary! I have morals oh god well I don't know about you two but I I've had fun (laughs) I have definitely had fun I apologize
2: for the cursing I realized you said f Mary kill which told me that all the times I dropped the f bomb I should have just been saying
0: oh you know me nothing but calling things naughty and fresh and please I cursed like 5,000 times don't be which
1: I never understand that I never understand why you call it f Mary kill
2: yeah, I thought that it's was
1: Mary Kill. It's called Fuck Mary Kill, <laughs> and you, you never don't have to be,
0: you don't have to you be never say that. It. You
1: will drop the F word. You'll
0: be like I, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. I tell you what, if you know anything about me, I don't use the word fuck in 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 relation to the act of having sex.
1: Yeah, but the game is called Fuck Mary Kill. It's
0: called F marikill.
1: What no, what you it's not called F kill call it, it doesn't F-marry-kill. matter if
0: you call it F or fuck. F the F stands for fuck, so you're implying that. Guys, no one loves the fucking F word more than I do, but I don't tend <laughs> to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, so simmer the fuck down. But I, I tell you, if you listen to my usage of the word "fuck," which is the one of my favorite words in the English language, I almost never use it in the context of actually having sex. I don't know why. It's just one of my weird little like kill Mary and a little the old slap and tickle. <laughs> a little of the old pickle tickle, yes. We get a little a little bit of the old hibbity dibbity, yes.
2: I will also accept Pound Town, Mary. I was just
0: gonna say, I'm like, can we go to Poundtown? That we can do. We can take the train to Pound Town anytime you'd like. We
1: hope you guys have enjoyed our sexy vampire. I mean, I guess that technically this is our sexy vampire episode, even though it got a little uh interesting in the conversation. We found Tilda Swinton, the sexiest, right. Yeah, of this whole episode, yeah, I think we're going to agree that Tilda wins the, she wins the crown. Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Yay! Let's 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 take a second to talk about Three Crones, Three Crones Productions. So, well, first of all, we are so excited to be
0: still very much in the early stages of launching Three Currents Productions, but we are so happy to have on board uh, Joe Costal with Every Month Madness, where they are taking random things from pop culture in the world and making a March Madness style bracket with them. They just did Billy Joel. Um, it was awesome. And the, the uh, I can say it now because the episode will be released. The number one Billy Joel song of all time, according to this group, was "Summer Summer Highland Falls," which, which just a travesty. <laughs> I see. I love. I have a super soft spot in my heart for that song, but I agree it's not my favorite. I I would have been a big Vienna for the win which I, I know you think that's a travesty too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I wouldn't be I surprised. I would be
2: less, I think, so with Vienna because I understand it, although it is not for me personally one of my, I would be, like, I, it's still a great song. Yeah, I, With Summer Highland Falls, it just feels like one of those, like, was it a crowd pleaser? Was it just one that was not, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Again, I know how brackets can...
0: Yeah, it just I think it was just the way the bracket kind of unfolded. But yeah, they and now next month they're doing uh best Disney World ride of all time, like all the parks. And the winner for that one, I I was like, Yeah, it makes sense. So I could live with it. I didn't agree with it, but I could live with it. Uh so yeah, definitely check them out if you're into pop culture, if you're into brackets. Also, you get to vote, so definitely check out the polls that they're posting over at Every Month Madness Podcast. The other big podcast we've unveiled this month is Block or Buster, and it is three knucklehead guys discussing on the cusp movies and deciding whether they're good or bad and what's cool about them is the audience gets the final vote and i think they did escape from la and they get the the cool thing is the audience gets to choose they have to kind of concede to the votes here and i know that uh escape from la really burns because i know a lot of people thought it was a buster but blocks won it baby and They are continuing through the, the annals of history to decide which movies are good, which are bad, and which are maybe just perfectly on that line between the two. And I think next up is Snake Eyes which I'm, I'm curious to see how the vote goes on that one. Oh, it Nick doesn't thumb.
1: matter. It's a Nick Cage movie, so it's uh-huh. an automatic thumbs, thumbs
0: down. up. It's an automatic. Automatic thumbs up. thumbs up. But anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. And thanks again for supporting all of our endeavors here over at Jersey Ghouls and Three Crones Productions. And stay tuned because the ghouls and the crones have united and we are just getting started.
1: So thank you guys. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, sleep all day.
0: Nothing like nocturne, waste 24-hour sheets party power. Uh, wake up at 5 p.m., that's a write about when magic hour. Oh yeah, when all you geeks break loose from the workaday news, I'll be rolling. Ar, ar, breakfast of Chinese shower, and my whiskey sour, I'll be